Megillah Kavzayan Amudbeis, a place of Kedusha. Kedusha, sanctity, is a very abstract idea. It's intangible. It's not something we can see and touch. Uh, it's not something that has dimensions. We sometimes feel it. We, we, we feel the sense of Kedusha when we're in a place that, that, that has a high level of Kedusha, sometimes in a, in a shul, in a base medrash, at the kotel. There will be times just in Eretz Israel altogether when one is able to experience a different atmosphere uh, in Israel, from outside of Israel, in Jerusalem, from outside of Jerusalem. Uh, but yet it still is very abstract. However, in the Jewish world, in the life of Torah, Kedushah becomes very tangible. It becomes something very real, and we're able to distinguish between different levels of Kedushah. It's not just a matter of, of black and white. It is, has Kedushah or it doesn't have Kedushah. There are different levels of Kedushah, and we become increasingly sensitive to those levels. It's like somebody who's very sensitive to color, and can see subtle differentiations in color that perhaps the ordinary person can't see. Somebody who's very uh, tuned in to, to music and sound can hear subtle differences uh, between different sounds, different instruments, different keys that the ordinary person might not be able to hear. And so this piece of Gomorrah deals, and the last couple of daf have dealt with different levels of Kedushah, uh, can one put a sidur on top of a chumash, or must a chumash go on top of a sidur? Can one sell a shul and, and use it for something ordinary? Uh, can one use a Beit Midrash for a Beit Knesset? A Beit Midrash is a higher standard of, of Kedushah, a place that we learn Torah in, has a higher standard of Kedushah than a place in which we daven, which we understand based on an idea that we had some time ago, that when we learn, we're listening to Hashem, when we're davening, we're speaking to Hashem. And listening to Hashem, engaging with Hashem as we do in a Beit HaMedrash is a higher level of Kedushah than merely davening, merely praying to Hashem where we're just doing the speaking rather than the listening. And the Mishnah on, on our page deals with the fact that you can't sell a shul. You can't sell a shul that is being used by a community to an individual. Because by doing so, you would be reducing its level of Kedushah. That's interesting. So there's, there's a shul, it's a building, it has Kedushah, it's been used for decades for, for davening, so it has a certain level of Kedushah. By transferring ownership from a large community to an individual or a small group of individuals, the level of Kedushah actually diminishes, Divrei Rabbi Meir, says Rabbi Meir. That's not right to say it's just about quality, it's not about quantity. Sometimes the quantity impacts the quality. And the number of people that are using it, uh, just in a, in a simple sense, as Rashi said, because if they're less than, says if they're less than ten people, you can't use the shul for um, reading the Torah and for Birkat Kohanim and for saying Kedusha and Kaddish. There are divorim kedusha. There are certain things that require sanctity, and there isn't enough sanctity if there aren't ten people there, according to Rabbi Meir. Amrullah, uh, so the Chachamim said to Rabbi Meir, "Im Cain, if you're going to start making these." minor differentiations in matters of Kedushah, then you can't even sell a shul from a large community to a small community, because that too would be a diminishment of, of Kedushah. You would have to sell it to, 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 to a larger community, and it would become very impractical to ever transfer ownership of a shul. So the Gemara Shapirka Amrulei Rabbanan Rabbi Meir, the Rabbanan actually write in their claim to Rabbi Meir, where is the boundary line? To what extent are we going to consider differentiations in Kedusha caused by quantitative issues? 
Rabbi Meir. So what is Rabbi Meir answer to that? No, he says, I don't agree with you. If you're moving a shul from a large community to a smaller community, uh, and the smaller community now become its owners and the people who use it, it still has the same category of Kedusha. Yes, maybe there's more Kedusha if there are more people in it, but it still is a public shul. That is a certain category of Kedusha, and you're not reducing it to a lower category. But mirabim le'yachid leka Kedusha, but when you take it from the level of, of a shul which is used by a community to a shul that is used by an individual, maybe as a museum or, or just a place for him to, to learn and for his family maybe, but, but if it's not a place where there are minyonim taking place, if they're not, they're not regular services taking place there, then Lecha Kedusha, then it loses Kedushat Beit HaKneset. It no longer has that Kedusha. And this whole idea is just so intriguing, isn't it? That Kedusha comes and goes, a place or a thing can have Kedusha attached to it, and then it can lose that Kedusha. And what do the Rabbanan say about that? Yes, it would seem that Rabbi Meir is right that we're not changing it from category to category. So he said, the Rabbanan say, No, say the Rabbanan. If you're going to be concerned about minor changes in levels of Kedusha, then the number of people is going to impact it. Because with more people, there is more Kedusha, there's more glory, there's more sanctification of Hashem's name. Um, and Rashi explains this view of the of the Rabbanan and says that if you're going to make a difference in your mind between many people and few people, whether it's nine people versus ten people or a hundred people versus two hundred people, uh, there should be a difference with the number of people because um, the more people there are, the greater the glory of Hashem and the greater the the, the level of Kadusha. So clearly, we're not going to go to that level. We're not going to worry about the quantity of people. Well, that's that's not going to concern us. A big city or a small city is not going to make a difference. The kivan de shakil dami umali luhu bikedusha muvla kol de bay lokach avid kutz me'abad varin kedikhtani sefer. Then Rashi says an amazing thing. The important thing, says Rashi, is that according to the Rabbanan, is that you've received money for the shul, which means the kedusha transfers from the property to the money, because kedusha, you see attaches to value, not to object. There's no Kedusha attached to, to the object as such, except in cases of, of the Beit HaMikdash, there are various cases where it is, and we'll see other cases. But in terms of a shul, there's no Kedusha attached to the object. And therefore, when you sell the shul, the Kedusha that there is in the shul is transferred onto the money which one is received, and that money needs to be invested in something of greater sanctity. Uh, because that money has the kedusha of the of the shul uh, imbued into it, so to say, embedded in it, and to use that value to invest in something of lesser kedusha than the shul would be a diminishment of kedusha, and that we're not permitted to do. The uh, I- interesting idea here is the difference between the shul as the rabbanan sees it, and let's say sifrei torah. In the case of of sifrei torah, you have a sefer torah, you can sell the sefer torah. Now you've got money from the sefer torah, and we've learned in the previous tapim, that that money has to be invested in something at least as valuable as a Sefer Torah. But that doesn't mean you can now throw the Sefer Torah out or use the leather to upholster your lounge suite. That's not what that's not what's allowed. It retains its Kedusha even after the sale. So why then does the Shul lose its Kedusha once a sale has taken place? 
And the difference is in understanding uh, the differentiation between a chefza shel mitzvah and a davar shebikedusha. A chefza shel mitzvah is an object whose sanctity is a function of the purpose for which it's used. So if something is used for a higher purpose, it's used for a mitzvah, it has a certain amount of sanctity. However, when it's no longer going to be used for that mitzvah, it loses the sanctity entirely because the sanctity attaches to its higher purpose, not to its objective um, material, not to the tangible thing that it is. For example, a an etrog or a lulav during Sukkot has a certain level of Kedusha. The moment Sukkot is over, there's no Kedusha. You can eat the etrog and you can throw away the lulav. Sits it on a garment. If you cut the tzitzit off the garment, they have no longer, they have no kedusha anymore because there's no inherent sanctity attached to those objects. Their sanctity is because of what they're used for. And that's an important idea to realize that by using something ordinary for a purpose that is extraordinary, that is high, a purpose that is meaningful, that we're able to infuse that with kedusha. Um, if one uses one's home for higher things, not just for one's own comfort, there's a kedusha that is introduced into one's home. In the case of a shul, a shul is used as a place to daven. There's a kedusha that is attached to that. But if we then sell the shul, we're not going to use it anymore as a place to daven. The kedusha attaches to the money that we must then invest in something else. But the shul itself has no kedusha attached to it at all, according to the rabbanan. Once that is that once that has taken place, um, and so it is even with one's business. If one sees one's business as in some way serving a higher purpose and serving Hashem, that infuses Kedusha into one's business, into one's very office where one works. One can infuse Kedusha by dedicating what one's doing to, to a higher purpose. But there is then a Dover Shibi Kedusha, a thing that is actually Kodesh intrinsically, like a Sefer Torah. When a Sefer writes a Sefer Torah, he infuses Kedusha into the object of the Sefer Torah, Sefer Torah, and that Sefer Torah becomes holy, and that Kedusha can never be removed. Whether you sell the Sefer Torah or you don't, that Kedusha of the Sefer Torah can never be removed. It has inherent Kedusha within it. And if we think about Sfarim, just regular books, that uh, a set of, of Gemara, a Shas, a Shulchan Aruch, a set of Rambam, uh, where do these fit? What category are these? Are these a Chefza Shel Mitzvah, or are these a Dava Shebe Kedusha? Is this do, do Sfarim have sanctity just because we use them for a higher purpose? Or do they have intrinsic Kedusha? And clearly Sfarim, like a Sefer Torah, have intrinsic Kedusha. And that's why according to someone can fulfill the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah by uh, stocking up one's house with Sfarim. Because when you put Sfarim into your house, each Sefer has Kedusha. And they don't all have the same Kedusha. It's like a symphony of Kedusha. A Chumash is different from a Tanakh. A Tanakh is different from a Siddur. A Siddur is different from a Mishnah. A Mishnah from a Gemara. A Gemara from Rishonim. Rishonim from Achronim. And so it goes. They're all different blends, different shades of Kedusha. And you put them on your bookshelf and you've brought Kedusha into your home. All of these different shades of Kedusha. And it's not just the Kedusha of we're serving a higher purpose, a Kedusha attaches to them as long as they're serving the higher purpose. No, they're sitting on your bookshelves and on that bookshelf shelf there is Kedusha. And that's why we should put Sforim in, in, our, in our living rooms, in our dining rooms. We should put the Sforim where we live, uh, where people live, where we entertain our guests. And in that way, we're able to bring more Kedusha into the space of our own homes.